Uh, Joey Parsons, uh, now that Joey has left our staff to go be the pastor of a church in Greeley, I have an opportunity to speak about him freely. You all know Joey as the one who sort of became the, the pastoral face of Faith Church before Brian came, and he was often here on the platform preaching at the pulpit and so on these past two and a half years. But I want to tell you a little something about Joey you may not know. Joey's passion has always been to connect with people personally, individually. Uh, and so over the number of years that he's been here in Loveland, he has built really meaningful relationships with a lot of people in our community. Church leaders, nonprofit leaders, uh, civic government leaders, uh, business leaders, uh, you name it. Joey has this remarkable ability to, to ask good questions, to draw people out, that, that show that he's really genuinely interested in them, and so on. It's, it's just a, it's a great gift. But Joey's interests have not been in the area of administration, organizing, leading meetings, things like this. And yet, over the past two-plus years, that's a lot of what he's been doing. When we had a pastoral vacancy, Joey stepped into the gap, and he served as head of staff at staff meetings and ministry director's meetings. He's helped put together agendas. He has led the meetings. He's been in countless on- and offline meetings with various people in the church. And even before these past two years, uh, he was the one who started our local outreach team and uh, would organize the Faith in Action days in the summer and this kind of thing. Lots of things that were out of his comfort zone, out of his area expertise, and yet he did those things because, at heart, Joey Parsons is a servant. He really modeled, he exemplified this value we have of serving together. We partner as a team ministering with the attitude of servants in all we do. Now, there are a lot of other folks in the church who do that, and I praise God for each one of you, but Joey's a prime example of this, and I just wanted to point that out now that he's gone. This morning, I'm going to continue the series that Brian started last week on this value, and Jeff Jeffreyon will wrap it up next week. It's sort of interesting that Brian has done this a couple of times now. He get, we get three little takes on the same thing, and it's interesting for you all to see different ways that the pastors approach this. Well, one of the things this value tells us is that we have an identity as a church. Our identity is we are a team. Right? We partner as a team. And as soon as we say that, the question arises, well, yeah, but what kind of team? Because it turns out there are pretty different kinds of teams in different sports. In basketball, for example, or football or hockey teams, all of the players have to work in very close coordination with one another. Their actions directly affect what the others do and can do. But other sports, like track or golf or swimming, they have teams too, but their players are pretty independent. What one does doesn't affect the other much. Here at Faith Church, we intend to partner as a team. What kind of team? Very much one of those interconnected, interdependent teams. In fact, the metaphor the scripture uses to describe us is that of a human body, right, with all its various parts interdependent on the others. You stub your toe or hit your finger with a hammer, your whole body reacts. Right? So 1 Corinthians 12 says, the foot can't say, just because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. So 
translate that, you can't say, well, I'm not needed here because I'm not like so-and-so. Right? I don't have their gifts, I don't have their abilities, so I, they, they don't need me. No, no, no. We, we all need you. Everybody needs you, no matter what your part on the team is. And the eye can't say to the hand, I don't need you. No, no one here can say to anyone else, go away, we don't need you. We all need each other, every single part. We partner as a team. A team, a team. We have lots of different people here, <laughs> different strengths, weaknesses, interests, personalities, gifts, and so on, like the Denver Nuggets. Our one team, lots of different players. They even have people on the team who aren't players, <laughs> who make it possible for the players to play, right? It's all one team. And we have many different people here and many different ministries. We have children's and youth and seniors and women's and deacons and Sunday school and small groups and Lago Vista neighbor and missions and the welcome team and security. I mean, lots of different ministries. And every one of those was developed for a good purpose and serves a good purpose. But one of the dangers in this, and it's actually a danger that we fell into in past years, is that these different ministries began to operate more or less independently. So forgive me, I'm going to change the sport metaphor, and uh, I apologize if this football example doesn't speak to you, but there it is. Uh, it's the only one I could come up with. What happened in our church was as though, on this football team, the wide receivers and tight ends, those are the guys who catch passes, they were doing their thing. And the guards and tackles and center, those are those great big men in the middle of the line who block and stuff, you know, they were doing their thing. And the fullbacks and halfbacks, those are the guys who take handoffs and run with them all, they were doing their thing. And all of them were operating independently of the play the quarterback called. Right? Now that's a slight exaggeration, but that's sort of what was happening here. We had silos, we had different ministries going in different directions. Well, we're one team, we're one church, and if we're going to be effective in glorifying God in our city and around the world, we're going to have to partner closely together. And this is why our mission and value statement is so important for us. I'm going to review that for us because this is what, what helps us align on the same play. <laughs> okay, so we're not running different plays together. All right, our team has a goal, an objective, something we're trying to do in the world. Our mission is to know and show the enduring truth and love of Jesus Christ by being a disciple-making family for Loveland and the world. That's the goal we're trying to score. And how we go about trying to score goals, accomplishing that mission, matters. We intend to do it in ways that express these values. First and foremost, we're biblically grounded. We stand on God's truth, in dependence on His Word, reading, studying, teaching, and obeying the Bible as our foundation for everything we do. Genuine worship. We grow in our devotion to God to exalt and enjoy Him with heartfelt adoration. So what we do here when we come into this sanctuary is not ritual. It's not just going through motions. It's not habit. We're here to express our love for our great God and Savior. Transforming community. We mentor and care for each other by age groups, in families, and intergenerationally to reach our full potential in Christ. It takes a whole church to grow a mature Christian. And we all want to do our part to help one another grow up to maturity. Engaging our world. We engage our neighbors and the underserved around us and the nations sharing the truth of the gospel 
with love and action. Because the church, the worldwide church, any given church, does not exist for itself. We exist, God has called us into being, for the purpose of reaching those who don't yet know the love of Christ. We're not here for us, we're here for them. And finally today, we're focusing on serving together. We partner as a team, ministering with the attitude of servants in all we do. So this is what keeps us unified, right? Lots of different individuals, one mission. Lots of different ministries, one mission. This is how we're going to do it. Okay? So the value statement also tells us what our attitude needs to be while we're partnering with our teammates. It says, ministering with the attitude of servants in all we do. We see ourselves as servants, not important people, not people with influence, not stars of the show. We're servants, and we're Christ's servants first. Yeah. He's the Lord Jesus, and the word Lord means the boss, <laughs> the one in charge, the one with authority, the one who has the right to tell us what to do. <laughs> in the Gospels, the disciples frequently refer to Jesus as master. That ought to tell us something, right? <laughs> Paul begins almost every letter by describing himself as a slave of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it's important that we have our, our allegiances right. We start with our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And while we're partnering together in whatever service it is we're doing, we need to have it clear in our heads, this is for him. And then he can direct us as we serve with one another. So here's what happened with Jesus and his disciples toward the end of his ministry that shed some light on this, this point. This is Matthew 20, verse 20 and following. The mother of James and John, sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask a favor. What's your request, he said. In your kingdom, please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and one on your left. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. <laughs> Are you able to drink this bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they said. We're able. Yeah. That's a whole sermon. <laughs> but I, I, I will resist the temptation. Uh, Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right and my left. The Father has prepared those places for the ones he's chosen. So then the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, and they were indignant, which tells you something about their attitudes as well. But Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them, but not so with you. Whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Because I'm setting you the example, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying to us, if you want to be great here at Faith Church, you need to have the attitude, uh, attitude that you are a servant of everyone. A servant, a diakonos, an attendant, a waiter, someone who ministers to the needs of others. That's if you want to be great. But if you want to be first... You need to see yourself as the slave, the doulos of all. The one who is owned by another, who is completely at the disposal of the master. Well, in two weeks, we get to get acquainted with a little bit and vote on a man who we're suggesting might be our next lead pastor.
What does this encounter that Jesus has with his disciples here say about someone who wants to be lead pastor? Because, I mean, look, we want him to be great, right? He, in some sense, he's going to be first among us, the lead pastor. We want him to be great in terms of having influence and respect and so on. Yeah. Well, based on what Jesus says here, we're looking for a man who knows that the only justification for him being the lead pastor is that that is how he can best serve the whole body. If he could better serve by doing something else, he ought to take another position somewhere down here in the org chart. And really, friends, that's the only justification for anybody leading anything in Christ's church, that that's the best way you can serve the others. Well, this is my chance to tell you what I think of our lead pastor candidate. I have had the opportunity to Zoom with him a few times, talk with him on the phone. Uh, Barbie and I met him a couple weeks ago when he was here. And I'm struck by his teachability, uh, his character, his humility, his maturity. Uh, early on in the search process, Steve Zaring, who was the chairman of the search committee, uh, took me to lunch and said, okay, tell me what I, what I need to know about finding a new pastor. And I said, well... The most important thing that I know is that character trumps gifts. I don't care how smart this guy is. I don't care how many degrees he has. I don't care how many certifications he has. I don't care what skills he has. If he doesn't have the right character, he's not the right guy. And since then, I've come to another observation. Character trumps experience. I mean, David is young. He's only 32 years old. But he has the right heart for God the right humility, the right teachable spirit that will enable him to learn from all us old heads around here and from his own experiences. I've listened to his sermons. I'm looking forward to sitting under his teaching. And I'm impressed with his deep personal relationship with God and the way he cares for his family. I think he's a great guy. I think he's the right guy for us. I'm excited to see what God will do for, with us if we call him as our lead pastor. So... Barbie and I won't be here that weekend. We'll be in California for our granddaughter's graduation from high school. But uh, we're trusting, trusting God to guide us as we make that important decision. I do want to add one caution uh, to y'all, to we all as a congregation. Uh, David is not the Savior. So when he comes, we can't say, oh, finally, you know, somebody to do the work. <laughs> no, no. He is coming as our servant, but... We are his fellow servants, and each one of us has a role to play. Okay? Well, as with anything else in life, we can have lots of different motives for doing what we do. And, and motives matter to God. So what's our motivation for serving one another on this team called Faith Church? Our deepest motivation is love. First, love for Jesus Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all, Jesus died for all of us, and therefore all of us have died to our old selves. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. When we get this, friends, when it, when it really strikes home that Jesus Christ died for us personally out of love for us, our hearts will naturally respond in love for him. And that love for him will cause us to live for him and not for ourselves. We will want to serve him with our whole hearts. Right? And then we also serve one another 
out of love for our teammates, not, not out of a desire for recognition or affirmation or power, not just because this is something we're supposed to do. We serve out of love. Galatians 5, you, my brothers, were called to be free, free from the law. But don't use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. Okay, you're free from the law. You don't have to measure up to some standard to be acceptable to God. But don't run off crazy <laughs> doing anything and everything that comes to mind. Use that freedom to serve each other in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command, love your neighbor as yourself. So when we do serve out of love, suddenly the whole character of our serving changes then we'll gladly go the extra mile. Then we'll gladly keep working when we're tired or when we don't feel appreciated. It is love's joy to serve. I talked with a grandmother this week who typically has her granddaughter uh, two days a week. This past week, she had her five. And this grandma acknowledged that she was falling into bed pretty tired at the end of each day, certainly by the end of the week when we saw them. <laughs> but so pleased, so grateful that she could serve her granddaughter that way. Hmm? That's the attitude that we want to have. And that's why it's so important we have the right motive for our service. First, love for Jesus, then love for our teammates. So I know many of you are serving in various capacities in the church, and I want to encourage you to examine our hearts. Why are we doing that? <laughs> Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it out of love for God? Is it out of love for your fellow teammates? Or is there something else at work in there? The heart is deceitful. Examine your heart. Serving together. We partner as a team, serving, ministering with the attitude of servants in all we do. Now, I don't know if this sounds easy to you, but if it does, I haven't described it very well. <laughs> because the old sinful nature doesn't like serving. It would much rather be served. We are self-serving people at the root. And we want people to do for us much more than we want to do for them. So how do we overcome those self-centered tendencies? Well, somebody said the Christian life isn't hard. It's, it's impossible. We can't do it on our own power. That, that old nature is too present, too powerful for us to, to win the battle by mere willpower alone. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't think that the Holy Spirit usually works in us like he did with Samson, you know, power to pull down temples or something. I don't think it's like Clark Kent stepping into a phone booth, becoming Superman, or the Incredible Hulk transforming into this great green muscle guy. Always wanted to be like that. <laughs> I think there are two. <laughs> there are two different ways the Spirit enables us to uh, to be God's servant together in the world. And, and first is He, the Holy Spirit, pours God's love into our hearts. Right, Romans five five. God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit, whom He's given us. And Paul prays in Ephesians 3.19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand fully. And this love of God that we experience through the power of the Holy Spirit is what enables us to love others and serve them in love. 1 John 4.19, we love, and the context would be we love God and we love others. We love because he first loved us. He pushed all our love buttons. 
So when we experience Jesus' love for us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that's what gives us the emotional power to love and serve others. The other way the Holy Spirit empowers us to serve together in pursuit of our mission is by giving each of us spiritual gifts. Experiencing Christ's love gives us the power to do it. The the spiritual gifts tell us how we do it, the avenues in which we will express that love and service. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with this concept. I'm not going to belabor the point, but the idea is that just as a human body has lots of different organs and each of those is designed to fulfill a certain function, so each of us have been given different abilities and, and they're there to enable us to serve God's purposes for our local church and his worldwide church. The Bible names a number of these gifts, things like these abilities like helping, administration, leading, giving, supernatural wisdom and knowledge, faith, gifts of healing and miracles, prophecy, speaking in different kinds of tongues, teaching, pastoring. There are several lists, different places throughout the New Testament. I, I don't, and, and, and some of them overlap and some of them don't, and, but I don't think it's a complete list. I, know that I think there are other abilities. These are examples of the kinds of abilities the Holy Spirit gives his people. Some of them seem rather ordinary, mundane. Some seem definitely supernatural. But all of them are given by the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and he gives them to each one just as he determines. So what that means is that the Holy Spirit knows what this body, this team here at Faith Church, he knows what, what we need, and he has brought people here with the abilities that we need. So if you're supposed to be here, if God has led you to be a part of this team, then you have something we need. You have a God-given ability that we need in order to accomplish our mission of being a disciple-making family for Loveland and the world. But now let me bring this back around full circle. Let's say your special ability is leading. God's given you this remarkable ability to sort of see a vision of what could be You cast that vision, you rally people, you motivate others to get in line and all work together towards that goal. That's a tremendous gift. But right now what we need is somebody to finish a boys, middle school boys Bible study. They were in the middle of this study, the boys were really into it, but the leader had to step away and we need somebody just to finish out this, this class with them. Do you say, well, can't expect me to do that, I'm a leader, I'm not a teacher. No, you don't say that because what we need right now is a teacher and we all have the role of servant. So you step in and do what's needed at the moment. Or let's say you're a gifted Bible teacher and one night as you're leaving the Hall of Faith, notice a couple of men setting up tables and chairs for an event the next day. Do you sort of greet them and wave and head on out to your car? No, you put your Bible and notebook down and pick up a chair because we all have the role of servants. And we're so pleased to be able to do whatever we can, whatever the need is to, have, to serve the common good out of love for Christ and love for our teammates. This is a key value for us. We serve together, partnering as a team, ministering with the attitude of servants in all we do. So my question to you is, where are you serving? Because unlike basketball, we can have more than five people on the court. <laughs> That's good. No, no, no limit to the number of players who can play at the same time. So let's not just have 
the metaphorical five people on the court working their tails off and the rest of us in the stands watching, right? We're a team. We need every player playing their part. And I know many of you are serving in lots of different ways. We have paid staff, and you need to be thanking them regularly for what they do. And especially in this season without a, a permanent lead pastor, they have really stepped up, pouring themselves out for the good of this team. And we have lots of volunteers serving as elders and deacons and children's and youth ministry and teaching Sunday school and ushers and greeters and sanitizers and prayer leaders. And it's, it's really glorious. So if, if you volunteer in some capacity, like singing in the choir, for example, or whatever it is, would you please stand? You volunteer in any capacity. Thank you. God bless you. <laughs> we, we really appreciate that. It seems pretty clear the church would not function without you, right? <laughs> My goodness. And for the rest of you, I want to encourage you to get out of the stands and onto the court. As I, as I said before, if you are supposed to be here, then the Holy Spirit has put you here for a reason. And this address on the website, faithepc.org slash volunteer, will direct you to the places that we have the most crying needs right at the moment. I'm just going to tick off a few of them. We need some help with our security team. Helps keep us safe on Sunday mornings. Children and youth ministry needs lots of, lots of support and help there. Um, our tech team, we need somebody to scroll the slides. And we didn't have... <laughs> sure, we know how to use a hymnal, and that's fine. But it would be better to have somebody putting the words up here on the screen, get our noses out of our hymn books. And somebody to run the slides for the, for the sermons, and lights, thank you, and sound, and all of that. I sound great because of these people. Uh, you know, so we need, need a lot of help in the, in the tech area. Uh, we need help in the office, answering phones, greeting people, doing light office work. So grateful for the people who do work helping keep our wonderful property and facility up, but they could use some more help. So you go to this website and just see what's available. And you can experiment. Right? I mean, you don't have to say, yes, that's my God-given calling. Try something out. See if you like it. If it doesn't fit, try something else. Yeah? And here's how you can know what your spiritual gift is. You know, how many of you have taken a spiritual gift inventory? Yeah, lots of you. It was all the rage back in the day, right? Uh, yeah, so we did that. But here's a, here's a really simple way to know what your spiritual gift is. It's when you're doing something that is doing a lot of good for the team and it feels really good to you. You feel fulfilled, you feel satisfied. Yeah, this is just, this fits me. And it's doing good for the team, for the common good, right? That's how you can tell. So keep trying things until you find it, because we need you, every one of you, serving together with us. Please pray with me. Father, thank you. Thanks so much for those who serve. We are grateful for the many who do that. And thanks for those that, uh, that you've brought here because you have something for them to do. And I pray that you'll help them find what that is, that they can know what their part in this team is. Lord, please, we need your help to experience your love for us. It's too great to understand fully, but we want to experience it. Pour out your love into our hearts so that our motives would be right, that we would be serving you serving one another out of love for you and love for them. 
Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.